0: yo hey how are you good how are you wonderful yeah shall we get into it with athletic greens let me tell you something david you know what i did maybe an hour ago i made some eggs i had some bacon i had some tomatoes balsamic vinaigrette some olive oil a little bit of bagel and everything seedlings on top of that and some cheddar and jalapeno toasted bread with butter. And of course, to top it all off every morning, my AG one, I had my athletic greens, green drink. And um, I love the stuff. And it's a part of my life.
1: So dietarily, I'm not I'm no dietitian.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. That's okay. There's a lot of butter. (laughs) The the the, um, damage
1: or potential damage that you're doing with the bacon, the cheese, the bread, all of that you can almost forgive yourself for because of the AG one. Like even if you're putting a couple of bad things in your body, I feel like you get enough exercise. You can kind of work through that stuff, but it's important to make sure that you're also getting the good stuff. And the AG one solves all of that part of your diet.
0: It absolutely does. I'm a, um, you know, what's really funny too is that like my whole family's on the AG one program now. so my wife's drinking it. My daughter's drinking it. I'm drinking it. I'm trying to get my dog to try it. Well, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to not like about it. It's super
1: simple. It is one scoop. Uh, It's delicious. It has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, all whole food sourced superfoods broken down into a powder. So you just put that one scoop in eight ounces of water, which I'm holding right here. And you can honestly shake it and ingest it in 20 seconds. So it's just a quick, easy solution to get all of your dietary uh, health
0: requirements in one shot. Yeah, I think you mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. Look, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, uh, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, Adoptogens, boom, which is, a, which is an interesting word. Adoptogens, I, that might be the name of my new band. I think we're going to cover like early punk rock songs, but um, the like, you know, bass that. and the adaptogens. I don't know about the first part. I just like adaptogens. And that's going to, uh, of course, all of those things, David, helping you to start your, your day off right, you know, start your day off right, which is what I did this morning. And I try to do each and every morning. AG1.
1: So um, join the Bass family, join the Scales family, reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. By the way, we're headed into cold and flu season and there's less sunlight um, due to, you know, the time change. So with using our promo code athleticgreens.com surf, you get a one year free supply of immune supporting vitamin D. So you're in the sun less during this time of year. Boost it with the vitamin D, get everything you need from the AG1 and uh, athleticgreens.com
0: slash surf is our portal. Slash surf, athleticgreens.com slash surf. <laughs> Yeah, friggin' guy. Welcome, David. It's Spit. This is the Spit Podcast. We talk all things surf and some other stuff as well. I'm Scott Bass, along with my co-host, David Lee Scales. David Scales, good morning to you, my friend. Good afternoon.
1: Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, I think we're just turning into the afternoon now. So um, happy Thanksgiving. How was Thanksgiving for you?
0: Thanksgiving was awesome. I think I told you I, I air fried my spatchcocked turkey. Didn't I tell you about that? Well, we talked before Thanksgiving. You said you were going to do it.
1: So what's yeah. the update?
0: The update was insane. It was, was super it really? good. Oh, my God. Spatchcock that bad boy, which means take out the backbone. Press that son bitch down. Flatten it. Make this herb butter with garlic. Stuff that underneath the skin between the meat and the skin. Then take the rest of it and baste the living crap out of that bad boy and put it in the air fryer like, dude, it only took an hour and fifteen minutes for me to cook a fifteen-pound burn uh, bird. Insane! And there's and no I'm... oil, right? That's the key with the air fryer. No oil. Yeah, it's just—it's basically like a convection oven on steroids. Okay. It's like super high heat that's swirling. Got it, got it.
1: Well, you know what? My—I don't have an air fryer. Uh, everybody's been recommending it, so I might end up with one. But you know what? My latest contraption is in the kitchen.
0: Yes. It's sous-vide. the uh, oh. <laughs> Oh, sorry. What were you going to oh, say? That's no, okay. I'm going to say it's the uh, the uh, George Foreman oh, hamburger no. grill. <laughs> okay.
1: That thing's been retired long ago. I had one. Didn't really care about it. Didn't ever use it. It's been retired. No, the sous vide machine. Are you familiar with this? No, tell me. It's just a wand that you um, heats water to a specific temperature, and you cook the food in a bag oh, <laughs> at yes. that temperature.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: yes. So, I did um a duck breast last week, I did pork tenderloin last week. I'm doing short ribs that I'm going to start today. It takes 48 hours to do. So, the idea is all of it's cooked at a low temperature for a very long period of time, but you also can't overcook it. So, the pork tenderloin, I think I set it at like 155 for 2 hours. If I would have left it in there for four hours, it wouldn't have been more done. It'll still be perfectly medium rare pink on the inside. But with these short ribs, you know, it's a long cooking process anyways. Like if you did it in a Dutch oven, it's going to take six hours on your stove. Well, now this is going to take two days, but you can't overcook it. It's way less cleanup. It's less hassle. So um, I'm a big fan. I'm having fun with the sous vide.
0: Now, when you take the meat out of the bag, do you brown it? Do you like sear it real quick to give it some of that look on the outside? Because as I recall, it kind of comes out a little bit uh, unprepared looking. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) it does. Yeah, you want to if you want to add texture, then you definitely sear it off, which I did with uh, all three of those or the two meats, and then the third one I'm going to do. So. That's what I'm up to, but you can buy the thing. The wand isn't expensive and you um, can buy it on Amazon, control it via Bluetooth from your phone. And I just use an ice chest as the actual vessel that I put the water in and the wand and it's out of the way. No fuss, no muss.
0: Yes. We have used this at our house. Oh, okay. There you go. Um,
1: I've got, we've got, I mean, the Hawaii season is well underway. I've got follow-up conversations about homelessness and, a final word on the Fort point debacle. If you want to hear some of this follow-up stuff.
0: Sure. Lay it on us.
1: Okay. My buddy, Sean in Mexico said, when you give to the homeless, you aren't underwriting anything and you aren't necessarily changing anything. All you're doing is making that person's day a little bit easier. Scott is correct here. You are momentarily mitigating pain or an immediate problem. And if that problem is alcohol, food, or drug related, it really isn't any of your concern. You are giving simply to give, you are giving them a choice that they may not have otherwise had. And by giving them that choice, you are giving them freedom and humanity, however brief.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with that. That's the feeling I get is that now I do, as we mentioned, I do have a concern about um, people that appear to be able bodied.
1: Game anyway, system go, a little
0: bit. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again but yeah. Well,
1: I think part of what I didn't say last week too is in Southern California the homeless problem is so pervasive that my internal conflict is I'm inclined to give. I want to give this person the money that's in my wallet. But if I did that for every homeless person that I saw, I would go broke. I mean, you truly cannot give to every homeless person you see, even if it's a small amount. If there's so many. So then it becomes, well, who do I give to? And so like you're saying, hey, that guy has new shoes or I've seen him here for 15 years and he's really not you know, getting out of this problem. So I guess if there was a way for me to identify that this person just lost their job, got kicked out of their house and they're now in a bind, I'd be more than happy to support that person you know, in that moment or even for that month or whatever it was. I just don't know how to
0: identify those people. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, there's so many different like I I'll see people on the on the on the street with their signs. And sometimes if their signs are clever, I'm like, "You know what? That's pretty clever. <laughs> I'm going to give that guy 5 bucks. That's a pretty clever sign." You know what You I mean? think
1: of the so, most clever one you've seen?
0: <laughs> well, I saw a, just like last week I saw a guy that was he was probably my age, but he looked 75. He looked old, right? He's probably 60 or something. And he had a sign He said will work or looking for work and he did not look employable you know like and so i was like that's pretty ballsy you know like nobody's gonna hire this guy but at least he's like i'll work man i will work you know and so i was like that's the kind of like i was like that's a pretty cool sign that you know that makes sense even if it's like made up it was pretty clever because he looked so old there's no way anyone's gonna hire the guy well it could have just
1: been the strategy you know, that's what I'm he, saying. Yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly. what I think.
0: Part, but I don't know. He was, he was hurt, and I don't, I don't know if he had the brain cells capable to create such a deep thought out strategy. Strategy, but, yeah, but yeah. So, but then the other thing I was thinking is like, like you'll see a younger person with a guitar playing their guitar and and like guilting you out. Like, there's a guy that has a sign that says, "Come on, man, just smile." You know, like, and he's and you're like, <laughs> it's like I feel like this guilt that I have to smile and play along with his. Vibe or whatever, and certainly there's nothing wrong with that. But part of me is like, what if I roll down my window and gave him five bucks or ten, twenty bucks? I'll say twenty bucks and said, "Look, clean up this area. Like, why don't you just clean up this area? This area's a <laughs> fucking mess. Look at all the trash and shit. Like, why don't you make it like nice right here? People would be throwing you dough. I bet. Yeah. You know? But again, it's a good it's point. Kind of like, you know, it's none of my business, really. You know, like, who am I to what am I the friggin Social caretaker guy,
1: that's a good point. But you're right, I think that's a very effective business plan. If he even had like a trash bag and he just his sign was on his back and he's like, Homeless, cleaning up the streets, working for donations, or something like that, people would exactly make hundreds of dollars a day in San Diego. Well, I had another note from Tom in Orlando and he said, You guys were talking about giving to the homeless. Social workers that deal with homeless all the time say that the best thing to do is to give to the organizations and shelters that help them rather than giving directly to the individuals.
0: Yeah, I, have a, I don't know anything about this. So I'm extremely ignorant and naive, which by the way, is the, sort of like the, the name of this podcast underneath it all. Um, but I don't, there's something about the industry of homelessness that I'm a little wary of. You know what I mean? It's like at, at some point it's like w- which hand is washing the other, you know, I know. And, and I kind of feel like and again, I don't want to sound unempathetic or not compassionate, but I kind of feel like. If we make it easy to be homeless, it's easy to be homeless. Yeah. Yeah but again well, i don't and I then, know i'm not addressing any of the underlying issues here like mental health and drug but, addiction and prison but those and
1: are those are our concerns though as individuals who see the homeless every day those are our concerns and i agree with what you're saying about the industry where once there's money involved yeah there's going to be something getting misappropriated siphoned off somewhere and not always, but that's my concern often, you know, So I guess it's a matter of it's up to us to find the appropriate organizations that we have vetted and feel comfortable with and make sure that you give to those.
0: yeah, it's it's a it's a slippery slope for sure. well, this all this
1: all came up because we were talking about Reno um, Yeah, that's how the entire conversation started, and I was talking about the homeless problem in Waikiki. There was an update twelve um, hours ago. From the Honolulu Star Advisor, um, Reno's nephew commented or sent them a note and said that the emergency brain surgery that Reno had to undergo was successful. Quote, Reno is still in the ICU, but thankfully he is no longer in a coma and he's making slow but steady progress in recovery. Uh, He wanted to thank the community for the outpouring of prayers and support that they had received and asked that the Atalera's privacy be respected at this time as we focus on recovery and rehabilitation. So Reno, of course, is 71 and um, an iconic surfer from the 70s mainly that was really important in the shortboard revolution. And he was sleeping on a park bench in Alamoana Park and was attacked, um, It put into a coma through this kind of vicious assault at the age of 71. So that's how we ended up here.
0: me ask you this there's a there's a line in the um, statement from the family that says we ask that you respect the avalera's family's um privacy at this time something like that right that line is interesting to me as i as i sit here and chill out on it does does that mean like don't create a gofundme page don't like please just stop talking about this we don't really want our name we don't want you talking about reno's situation we've got it under control and you know, the outpouring of love is great, but let's kind of just stop it now and let's kind of move on. Let's move past much in the same way we've done with Sonny Garcia. Does um, that the I, sense that you get that they don't really want you and I talking about it? And if so, then we should just shut the, we should shut up. I mean, it's really at this point, it's no one's business other than it's sad. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that <laughs> sentence? You know, like how do you read that sentence?
1: Well, the, previous sentence was, we really appreciate the outpouring of prayers and support. So I don't know what to make from that sentence because um, part, you know, it, when you're down and out, that support does matter. But at the same time, you kind of want to be, you don't want your phone to be blowing up every five seconds. So I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what respecting the privacy might mean, not reaching out to them personally, but they're not offended yeah. by us offering the support via this uh, platform. I really don't know. It's tough. Yeah. You don't know yeah, unless you're in that position, I suppose.
0: That's kind of why I asked you about it, because I, I don't know how to take it. I, I don't know if, you know, should we just shut up? And and the Avalara family has now got Reno in their clutches, and they're going to deal with it. And please, thank you, but no, thank you.
1: I guess that's exactly what he says, yeah. So, right. yeah, enough, unless there's an update on the story um, that's relevant to surfing. Uh, The Fort Point follow-up that I got was pretty interesting. Uh, And then I think we could put this topic to bed as well, probably after today. But listener emailed and preferred to be left anonymous, but he said, I grew up surfing Fort Point. The fort was one of the most dangerous spots that you could surf. It wasn't uncommon for dead bodies to float through the lineup from those who committed suicide off the Golden Gate Bridge. Every hardcore local has a story of somebody jumping the bridge while they were surfing. Real quick to interrupt his email. I forget the stats and I should have looked them up today. The number of suicides off the Golden Gate Bridge is crazy. Like it's a daily occurrence for people to commit suicide off that bridge, or it certainly was for a period of time before they put up security. Um, So this doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's horrific to think about, but it doesn't surprise me that he said this. He goes on to say, all of the stuff that you guys are talking about and these guys riding in uh, on other equipment would never have flied 10 years ago. Every single one of these guys would have been knocked unconscious by a real local. As far as boards being destroyed, that's a long tradition at Fort Point. And it's happened many times on the inside. Back in the day, fights were extremely common. Dudes, have been sent to prison for enforcing at the fort. About 10 years ago, when tech invaded San Francisco, everything has changed since then. If you're actually a hardcore foil or kite surfer, Then you go to Potato Patch or High Tide Fort. You do not foil at Low Tide Fort. You don't windsurf at Low Tide at the Fort and you don't bring anything but a surfboard into the impact zone at Low Tide at the Fort. In the last five years, I've seen foilers injure more children and beginners than any surfboard injuries in my entire life. At this point, we need this type of localism here. Towing behind a speedboat at the Fort at Fort Point while people are actually surfing? Are you effing kidding me? How can anyone justify this? Don't get me wrong, the fort is actually a crappy wave. It's soft and generally sucks, which is why so many kooks have flocked there and so many of the heavies have moved away. The fact of the matter is foiling around surfers is unacceptable, it's dangerous, and there's no reason to ever do it, no matter how good you are. All these foil guys claiming that they're also good surfers Give me a break. What good what good surfer grabs a foil when there's actually waves? If you if you had done this in Santa Cruz at any of the good spots, there certainly would have been a fight. Sure, John John Florence and his contemporaries ride foils behind boats, but that's totally different than him doing it at pipeline. The guys riding in saying damaging personal property is unacceptable are definitely not surfers. They were definitely not born and raised in San Francisco. They are tech kooks. Here are some articles that are pretty self-explanatory regarding the fort. It's not a friendly place, and I can't believe it's gotten so out of hand. And that some guy without a leash is foiling behind a uh, speedboat. I don't know. I didn't see this coming, and it literally boggles my mind how anyone can even defend it. In link to a bunch of articles from uh, you know well-reputed um, magazines, newspapers, all that sort of stuff about incidences at the fort at Fort Point for decades okay
0: sounds like he knows what he's talking about definitely more than what i do about this <laughs> <laughs> and many times <laughs> there you go hey i did look up some suicide information so it looks like the fatality rate of jumping is 98 percent um 34 people have survived the jump oh my gosh Um, one young man jumped and swam to shore and drove himself to the hospital. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's kind of strange. Um, They did try to put up a suicide barrier, and they've been having issues. I mean, this dates back to 2008. And as of 2019, they are saying that the barrier is supposed to be completed by 2021. um, But there's been a delay, basically, there's some been some bureaucratic issues there, but I don't know where they stand on the, the barrier of the netting or whatnot. But Crazy. Yeah, but, okay.
1: Well, hey, the big news in the last 24 hours is that your homeboy, Jake Marshall, has qualified for the championship tour, largely due to his surfing prowess, but secondarily due to your big push on this podcast, I feel.
0: I'm not going to take any credit for Jake, um, but I'm super stoked that he's – qualified. He's definitely a guy that um, gives me another reason to to be engaged in the WSL this year as a North American surfer. um, He hails from uh, our hometown here in Encinitas. And so um, I'm super stoked. I don't know if you know the Jake story, but this is a guy who's grinded on the, it's really cliche, but he's grinded on the CT and on the Challenger series for, or not the CT, excuse me, the QS and the Challenger series. So he's a pure rookie and he'll be on tour for the first time on the CT coming up here next year. So we're excited for him and, um, and actually the whole event, right. This whole sort of last challenger series at Haliva, as we mentioned last week is kind of interesting because there's just so much that that's happening here with who's going to qualify and who isn't.
2: Yeah.
1: Lots of big implications. Um, Jake Marshall, Jake Marshall lived up to an exceeded expectation as far as i'm concerned i was playing devil's advocate with you in previous weeks saying sure he does well at the u.s open because it's crappy beach break but and he's from san diego but how will he do in hawaii how will he fare in hawaii closed out his heat with a nine-point ride the kid doesn't buckle under pressure he's comfortable in juicy waves apparently i haven't seen him surf barreling waves but um, Bravo. There's a lot of other surfers that we've seen buckle under the pressure. Uh, A couple of which Emi Devault uh, who we were kind of watching and hoping or uh, tracking Nat Young, Carlos Munoz. They're all out of this event. They were all on the cusp and needed to advance through a couple of heats to clinch their spot on the CT and they all lost. They might still qualify depending on how everybody else shakes out and things will shuffle. But uh, to the point, Jake shows up and blows up. So congrats, Jake.
0: Yeah, he, and you know what's interesting, too, is, is you know, a lot of times you, you'd come on tour as a youngster, say, 21, 22 years old. You know this as a middle-aged man, we don't really get all of our sort of, our I don't want to say girth, but we don't grow <laughs> into our bodies until we're like, like 28 or 30. Like, that's when we reach our full weight i guess i'll say right and so i don't know how old jake is but i think that you know he struggled he almost made the tour last year he just missed it i think this extra two years or whatever it's been is good for him as far as being strong and being you know growing into his frame i guess and so um you know i hope that's the case i i feel like he's stronger and he looks bigger than i've ever seen him and um You certainly need that on the tour as we head to some good waves this year. And, yeah, I'm pulling for him. And as you mentioned, there's some of these other guys, you know, like I'm not sure. I'm going to look up um, Hiroto. I want to see that young Japanese kid make the tour.
1: Me too. I like Um, him a lot.
0: Do you know where he's at? I'm going to look right (laughs) now. I'm going to click on this thing and see.
1: I remember him losing in his heat, but I don't know where he's ranked right now. So he's out oh, of this okay. event.
0: So he, he's out of the event. Yeah, he got he got a lot of guys. Every guy that's in the top 20 seems to be equal 49th. They seem to have gotten fourth place in that round of 64. I've been looking at a lot of guys here. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot up for grabs, and it makes for an interesting watch. You know? Yeah. Um,
1: well, Jake Marshall, I think in addition to – so not having meat on his bones, right? We saw Chloe Andino go through that growth – while he was a professional, uh, Kanoa Igarashi, we've seen go through that. Um, I feel like Griffin Colapinto always kind of had an outsized power displacement for how small he is. He's not a huge, powerful guy, but his core of surfing is just so powerful that it looks like he's powerful. I think that's certainly part of Jake's, um, hiccup over the last few years. But I think the other thing is the too much too soon scenario that we've also yeah. seen with a lot of guys coming out of Southern California. So when I, I mean, 10 years ago, Jake was the guy he w- he yeah. was like, had all Early. the sponsors winning everything Yeah, on Hurley winning everything from the NSSAs. And so yeah. everybody pinned all their hopes on him. And I feel like that almost did him a disservice once the, I don't know, once it actually got to like the yeah, world yeah. level.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's, I was just thinking, as you mentioned that, David, that it's, it's kind of an, well, it is an irony, right? That because the surf industry is sort of contracted and it's much smaller and there's no big contracts for surfers, it's actually in the long run could be a benefit for the actual surfers. They actually, the ones that want it have to go out there and grind and get it and earn it. And in the meantime, you know, I don't know, have a part-time job somewhere or some, you know, basically kind of coddle together enough funds to pull off the tour. Whereas you know 10 years ago it was like every kid that won the NSSA nationals was like signed on to Billabong and they had a team of 30 and so did Quicksilver and so did Hurley and so did Nike and and you know we never saw anybody rise to the top because they were all kind of equally lame. And now it's yeah. like you know well you that's, know when, Brazil that's when, like when Brazil took over. That's when Brazil took over. Right and look those guys got nothing you know it, like,
1: that's exactly why. So Brazil shows up Look, talent will only get you so far. Scott, are you there? You look frozen.
0: Oh, I am here. Okay, good.
1: I think your face yeah. is just frozen, but the audio is still. Okay, now you're back. Um, so yeah, talent will only get you so far. And and I think it will get you onto tour. So all of that support for uh, Jake, when it was Chloe and Dino or whoever else, gets them onto tour. Cause they're all, they are talented. And then that support gets them there. But once you're on tour, the difference between winning world titles versus Julian Wilson or Jordy Smith is grit, you know, like Gabriel shows up on tour with the same amount of talent as Jordy or Julian, but Gabriel can find that next gear when you're really, when his back is against the wall and I think that maybe Jake having a couple of years of having to persevere and grit it out and find his own way will actually serve him better than if he would have qualified five years ago or four years ago.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, you know, I'm of the belief that Jake was already moving towards a different career path, you know, and I, and that things just kind of fell into place and he's found himself like his dream is coming true. And, and, and I and I think to myself, and you and I've spoken about this, but I I hope that he goes for it. Like I hope, you know what it, you know what it reminds me of. There was a heat where Patrick Geddeskus was in a heat somewhere. I think it was a uh, bells. I oh, was it oh, okay. was it a bells where he surfed out of his mind. He surfed like he didn't give a shit anymore. You know, like he wasn't holding back. You know what I mean? And it's like. That's the kind of, and it was because it was like, you know, I think maybe he got a wild card or I forget why, but it was obvious that like this might've been his last hurrah. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going, I'm going to go hard. And, um, and I think that's the attitude that you have to have. You almost don't hold back at this point. Like, let's go hard, no matter what, like, don't leave the season going, I didn't really give it my all. I, I was being, you know, I was thinking too much. Like I'm, I'm afraid that they're going to think too much. I mean, my advice to Jake Marshall is simple get a really good song that you love and put that song in your head and go dancing, go friggin' surfing with a song in your head. That's it. You know? Yeah. Okay. There's a little bit of strategy sets coming here. Westwell, this blah, 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 tide coming in. That's fucking easy. Like you've been doing that since you were 10 years old, but it's about what's between your head. And I, you know what I, I want? Like, you know, get a song in there. I, that's always helped me whenever I've competed, whenever I've done well, I've won events with, Friggin' literally with music in my ears. Like I would surf with headphones <laughs> and just, and have a playlist where I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I love this song. You know, like to me, I don't know. It worked for me. I hope that Jake gets a good, and I would suggest to any competitor, get a really good song in your head and go surf. It,
1: well, it probably helps you not overthink.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you've got, you've jazz. got all,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've got all of the tools to win and that's why you're there. And so now don't overthink it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. um, So you could easily see Jake not doing that because he's happy to be there and he wants to be there next year. And if you go all out, there's the chance that you fall and you get last place. But if you go 70 or 80%, you can just finish in the top 12 and re-qualify and then work your way up to the top five. But I agree with you. We don't give a crap about the top 12 anymore. And the top 12 don't have sponsors anymore. You know who we yeah. do care about is Idolo, Felipe, and Gabriel, because they are throwing caution to the wind at every single section they get. That's exactly. who we care about.
0: Yeah, Exactly. And that's what we need to do. That's what, And I hope that Jake has a successful year. And, of course, you and I are going to be rooting for him. I know I'll be rooting for him. I don't know if you're going to be rooting for him. But what about Conor O'Leary? So Connor's the other guy that's already qualified. He's been on tour before. I think he was kicked off, right? Yeah. And now he's back really good, uh, goofy foot surfer. Um, and a guy that at one point I pegged to be maybe a potential world title winner.
1: Yeah. His rookie year, he won rookie of the year. He finished second, I think in cloud break, maybe a cloud break. I forget exactly. I think it was small cloud break or something. Um, so he had this banner year when he came out of the gates, but then didn't follow it up and kind of had the sophomore slump and then fell off tour and everything's gotten shaken up now. But um, I think there's a place for him on tour. And I've jokingly poked fun in the past saying, you know, he's ace buck in 2.0, or we already have Nat Young. Why do we need Connor or vice versa? Like, but I do think that there is a place for him and that style of surfing and we don't have Ace anymore and we're, we may not have Nat Young and so he's actually the perfect fit um and I think that he has more to give that's the other thing when you watch him go backside and connect with three or four you know amazing backside turns that's his strength and that can get him nines but we haven't really seen him do a bunch of airs he does them occasionally but he's not known for that so I think that he can he has room to kind of improve with uh, the progressive side of surfing
0: well, you know, it's fascinating, too, is this idea that this year we, we cut the field in half halfway through the tour. So the Jakes and the Conor O'Leary's and the guys that are um, a guy like a Michelle Berez, is Michelle Berez going to requalify. He's I already mean,
1: So, no, he, Michelle Berez okay.
0: lost at Holly Evo, which means he does not requalify. It is official. Oh, oh wow. So but whoever these guys are that, that make up the back half of the field for the CT as we go into 2022, they also don't have the luxury of just kind of going eighty percent. Like this thing gets cut in half, right at the halfway yep. mark, and so that's the beauty of that format. I think is like, dude, guess what? Every heat absolutely is like, you better go a hundred percent.
1: Yep, I agree. I
0: completely agree. Uh, are you sad to see Michelle go? I, I'm not. I, I will say I'm not sad to see him go. Like I didn't like look forward to Michelle's heats, but. I'm sad for Michelle and I'm sad for Tahiti. I'm sad for French Polynesia, you know, like I'm sad for the diversity that he brings to the tour. Um, he's a red hot, super powerful surfer, but he, he he kind of is like, um, I don't know. He's just, he's just this power guy that didn't really have an air game. So, so- yeah.
1: here's, here's why I'm not sad. And I agree with you. Everybody loves Michelle. Anybody who spent any time with Michelle just raves about how, the quality of a person he is. And if we we're going to have the world quality person tour, he would be the champion. That's not what we're having. We want to see the best surfers in the world. So the reason why I'm not sad to see Michelle go is the same reason I'm not sad to see Jeremy Flores go ace buck go. And that is they're not going to do anything that we haven't seen before. Every time Michel hits the water, we know exactly what we're going to get. And often he doesn't live up to that. The reason why we want to watch Italo in a heat, John, John, Felipe, is because they're going to come out and try to do something like we've never seen before or a greater degree of something that we've seen them do in the past. It's exciting. It's fresh. You never know what you're going to get when those guys hit the water. Even Morgan Siblett, to a certain degree, you don't know what you're going to get when he hits the water. So I love the idea that the tour is going to be cut in half because it's going to force people to do what you said, to go for broke and elevate their game. If you're not showing up and trying to elevate your performance, not only in every event, but in every heat, I don't really think it's progress,
0: you know? Let me ask you a question, um, just playing sort of hypotheticals. Would you rather see Michelle Perez on the CT or Kelly Slater? Kelly, for sure. Would you rather see Michelle Perez on the CT or, here's a good one, Frederico Marias?
1: I knew you were going to say that. Uh, honestly, kick them both off. Neither. They're going to both, they're gonna both put, do exactly what I said, which is just more of what we've already seen.
0: Totally agree.
1: Boot him, boot him and give space to Jake Marshall.
0: Let's see. And if Jake Jeremy Marshall. Li- I'm sorry, go ahead. If Jake Marshall lives up.
1: Yeah, if he lives up, then he can stay. And if he doesn't, then he's out too. You know,
0: Did Jeremy Flores retire?
1: Yeah, mid-season. He announced it. Okay. Um, he, he, was, he was already kind of having a crappy year and he was blaming it on the crappy waves that they put on tour in the return from COVID, you know, the beach breaks in Australia and the wave pool. He was saying that after heat wins and losses. Um, But I think he seemed ready to retire anyways. Is Jack Freestone
0: qualifying? I don't think he is. I've got him here on the CT. He's he's below the cut line on the CT.
1: He's still in the
0: event though. He's at um, 28 on the CT from last year.
1: He's still in the, the challenger event. And honestly, Jack, I don't think we've seen him hit his full potential. So I wouldn't mind if he requalified, I'd be curious to see how he does, but I wouldn't give him more than one more season. You know, I wouldn't bet on him, but I also wouldn't discount him.
0: Well, you and I've spoken at length. We were disappointed that he didn't get a full season. Like his, 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 his rookie season was last year, right? And it was just like this COVID season of crappy. Newcastle. No, no, you know? that's
1: Jack. Did you say Jack Robinson or Jack? Freestone?
0: Yeah, Jack Robinson. I don't. Oh, I don't okay.
1: Jack Robinson. I thought you said Freestone. So Freestone oh, applies. Everything that I said applies to Freestone. But yes, Jack Robinson was his rookie year and we have not seen him live up to his potential either, but he is requalified. Oh yeah, he's, he's on qualified. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So would you rather see Michelle Berez or Jack Freestone? Freestone. Yeah.
1: I think Freestone's got more to give.
0: I agree with that. So really, it's just Frederico Marias, who just sort of stands out. And by the way, he's a great guy and a great surfer and a great ambassador for Portugal. This isn't an attack on the person. This is the attack on... Is he an explosive air game surfer?
1: Well, look, the way that the tour schedule has been adjusted for this coming year, I think will service a lot of what we want what we're talking about it'll help eliminate separate the wheat from the chaff um (laughs) he's he's chaff he will find out he has been thus far and look he's hung on due to the limitations of the format in the past so now the format will not allow him to just cling on to the bottom
0: half you know Um, he's an interesting guy right i mean when you think about it if anyone like overperformed last year Oh, I know. it was him well
1: he he does that historically he beat kelly in portugal when kelly needed to just get past like the round the third round in order to clinch his title in portugal frederico maria as has the wild card went on on a crappy day went out on a crappy day and did an air reverse on a right and got the score he needed and kelly lost the event pushing the title race to hawaii and then remember john john at jay right. bay He beat John John at J Bay when John John was having an epic heat. So he's done that over the years, but again, it's it's because the format was allowed for boring, repetitive surfing to get eight point rides. The judging did. And I I don't, I see things moving away from that. So I don't know that Frederico can rely on his trusted kind of, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, I feel like this event, I don't know, you tell me if you've actually watched it, but I feel like the surfing's kind of high. Like the bar of surfing is high. The caliber, when it comes down to guys whose names I don't know that well with no stickers on their boards, they're kind of shredding in this event.
0: Yeah, I've watched some of it actually. And um, yeah, there's some names, of course, who I, I have no idea who they are and they're surfing well. I think there's some North Shore guys. Um, obviously the surf's been challenging, which I think is okay. You know, it's been quite lumpy and, and windy and uh, tough to surf to say the least. And then, you know, you see John, John who's just like, tell me about John, John, uh, mind blowing, like on his a plus game, like out of control, like surfing, like he's surfing in his backyard, just doing, you know, incredible aerials and incredible power carves that just seem um just like he's taking a walk in the park, you know like he, there's no there doesn't seem to be he's looks he looks like he's on his a game.
1: John John's career has been plagued by injury, and every time he goes away, so he'll hit like a zenith and then he'll get injured and then he goes away and we all have to wait eight months and in that eight months Gabriel starts dominating we see all this other stuff. And we look back at John John footage and we're like, man, he's so incredible. But where is he now? And then inevitably, when he makes his return, he blows our minds again. And so I was thrilled to see John John return to competition in blistering form. I think he got like an 18 point something heat total, a couple of nines. Uh, So can he maintain that? Can he not get injured? You know, all that remains to be seen. I was disappointed to see Kelly Slater not, he was scheduled to surf in this event and then he no showed or he pulled out. Do you have any idea? I wasn't listening to the commentary throughout the event. So I don't know, but I have no
0: idea. About okay, about
1: Cause I like to see these, that top level of guy show up in this event. It really creates a stark contrast between world champ surfers versus world class surfers. And, um, Cause I, I start like getting really hyped with all these other guys. I'm like, wow, Beric DeVries surfs really well. And then John, John goes out and you go, oh no, that's what we're looking for. You know, there's a huge yeah. contrast. There so really I, wanted, is... I wanted to see Kelly.
0: Yeah, that would have been neat. That's too bad that he, he didn't show up um, on the John Florence thing. I, so one of our listeners sent me a podcast, the water oh, People podcast that yeah. Lauren Hill and Dave Rostovich do. You probably heard it. Um, and they interviewed John Florence this week, I believe it was, and a um, couple of the takeaways that I got from that podcast, and I, I would suggest that everyone download uh, the, you know, go get the podcast Water People is what it's called, um, and Dave and Lauren talked to John about, you know, is there an emotional letdown after winning a world title, and when you think about it, right, like, you, you know, you build your way up, and you get this world title, and then couple days later you're like okay what next you know and and john suggested that there were moments in past world titles where he wasn't really sure like why am i doing this you know and and i find it fascinating i think it's and tell me what you think about this but i think if you're in a competition where like you're scoring your own points or you're running for speed you know um where it's not a subjective judging criteria i think it's And I don't know anything about this because I've never done this, but I think it might be easier emotionally to win your world title, take your month off, and then go back and objectively have goals that you can go attain. I need to run a little bit faster or I need to score more points. Whereas the subjective nature of surfing, you win a world title and you're like, well, what did I really win? Yeah, I went out and I surfed really great according to these four guys over here or this subjective format that wants me to do my dance in this way. I think it's easier to have an emotional letdown with a subjective judging criteria, regardless of the sport, even if it's say gymnastics.
1: I agree that it is. I think the benefit to the subjective nature of surfing is that you can actually perform at the high level for longer. If you were just trying to um, shave seconds off your mile when you're running You can only do that for five years until your body, you know, you can only do it for the peak performance of your body, which is limited by nature's, you know, uh, whatever. So with surfing, I feel like you can really tap into new things as your body evolves and you can actually get better, you know, look at Kelly in certain ways you can get better at it. Um, You can mitigate risk more, you can absorb less damage from wipeouts just because you're that more uh in tune or attuned to the ocean and so i think that john john somebody like john john can continue to win titles throughout a decade two decades and actually find more meaning in those titles than he did when he was young when he was young it was strictly to best the competition or maybe superficial reasons or whatever and um so yes to your question but when they dug down
0: deeper they, they dug a little deeper into it. Um, the, the desire to keep competing, like where does that come yeah. from? And John Florence suggested that, you know, he's, he's looked into that. Like he's tried to figure it all out. Like he's, he's kind of wondering where does that drive manifest or, or come from. And, um, and it was, what came to him was that it was just really quite simple is that he just loves surfing. It, it was a, it was a much simpler answer than he had anticipated um and i i found that to be like okay yeah well of course you love surfing but maybe what he was saying is that all the experiences from going on tour from getting to go to jay bay and surf north point and surf western oz and go to bells and go to tahiti and all of these things that's all the love that he's talking about it's not just putting on the jersey and going out and getting two nines it's that for sure because there's a lot of um i'm sure he gets a lot of uh validation from that but it's also all of the cultural trappings getting to travel around the world i mean who that's that's after a two-month break you can see why that would be a fun thing to go do again
1: i dave rostovich loves surfing too maybe as much as john john and he's not putting on a jersey so i don't think that john john's answer is actually satisfactory And it also doesn't give me much confidence that he'll be able to go head to head with Gabriel when they're both fully healthy, because Gabriel loves surfing as well. He also loves competition. He also loves throat stomping, John, John. And and when when you've got a 30 minute window and it requires that you get two tens in that window, those other factors matter as much, if not more than loving surfing. If you'd only love surfing, then you'll just check out of the heat and go surf down the beach where it's better.
0: Right. But I, 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 I agree with you because that's my initial reaction was what you said. But, you know, he also has a family. He's got responsibilities fiscally. And so when he says, I just love surfing, I think that means I can take care of these fiscal responsibilities through this thing that I love and oh by the way it means i get to travel around the world and satisfy my sponsor's requirements and and i love to compete too obviously he does he he said as much i would agree with you that i sometimes question his competitive uh vigor uh, especially you know in his head like i i don't see him as the the throat stomper that you mentioned gabe to be and um he could still travel and honor all those fiscal responsibilities without winning
1: world titles at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing. The whole podcast is really interesting. I, I guess, have you listened to it?
1: I have made it through part of it, half of it, and it was actually going to be my must see moment. It's my must listen moment of the week because I think oh. everybody would love it because it's got a certain candid quality. I mean, they're friends. It's just friends having a conversation. You know, it's not an interviewer, quote unquote, interviewing John. John. It's right. so you're a fly on the wall with interesting people having a conversation about the things we love.
0: Yeah, um, and and Lauren and Dave, they're, they're you know they're they're intellectually uh, they're very bright. They're informed. They're engaging individuals, and so the discourse is like that. Um, if I'm trying to, there's some feeling that I got from the podcast that I've been trying to figure out. Um, and I think as I excavated, I think I'm just jealous that I'm not as like enlightened as Dave and Lorna. like you just get the sense that they're almost on a slightly higher plane than your average, you know, me, I guess, you know, they've that, made, you know what I mean?
1: They've made some great life decisions. I asked you, I asked you about John Roseman a while back. I was like, gosh, has anybody kind of like mapped a better life? They would be contenders for people who may have, um, they have some real luxuries built in uh, due to their pro surf background, you know? So it's like made some money doing something they loved without having to go through traditional schooling, working your way up a corporate ladder, whatever, to have certain financial securities. But there's a ton of examples of people who have also squandered that. And I think both Dave and Lauren kept their compass calibrated through to true North throughout and just like, okay, let's buy some land where we want to live, which is Byron. And then let's not overbuild. Let's not, uh, let's kind of, let's try to stay off the grid. Let's, eat out of our own garden so we're not relying on these other things that can ultimately lead to a trap you know and i think they've they've continued to live a real simple life and they continue to go surfing every day and they have kids and instill those values in the kids and so they're enjoying the benefits of parenting you know and
0: yeah i feel like like that's what i was trying to i i i guess like i said i i was I, i was just um I I almost, I guess it's like a jealousy or something. Like, I wish I was as good as they are. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're growing crops for their community. And then the leftovers from the crops, they're like, you know, sending it to feed homeless. people. They're just like making all of the right moves. And um, I'm certainly, uh, I wish I was more of a disciple of um, some of the humanity that they seem to express
1: hard to do. I was going to say it's never too late. You know, right. like you can, we can start today.
0: We can, you can start.
1: implement, implement yeah. small versions of that stuff, but it yeah. is hard to do in the concrete jungle that is Southern California with yeah. the insane mortgage payments that you have to make to continue to live here so that your kids can continue to go to the schools with their friends and, you know, all this stuff. Like, I mean, that's kind of the ultimate separation is, we're tethered. You and I are tethered to yeah. a bunch of anchors that require that we do things we don't necessarily want to do. I have to drive on the freeway every single day for an exorbitant amount of time. You
0: know? Well, the, the other thing is, I think on some level, I'm just slothful. Like I could have a garden in my backyard, like, you know, because they, they sort of talk about, and I believe this to be the case because every time I garden, and I know that you're this way too, there is a certain amount of um, you get a lot of enjoyment and you're not sure why, but like you putting your hands in the soil and, and doing work in a, in a yard or a, with the earth, there's something almost genetic about it that makes you feel good. Like kind of like when you go surfing, like, so there's a sense of almost like I'm just kind of too lazy to do this stuff. And I think maybe that's part of the feeling that I'm having is like, how, cause they seem to, they seem to be able to find time and they yeah. like doing it and, I guess I'm finding time for other things like playing fantasy football or whatever the hell I'm doing, playing the guitar or what, you know, like.
1: So that's living in this convenient, this culture of convenience that you and I live in. um, It's too easy to go to the local grocery store and buy really good versions of anything that we want for cheaper than it would cost to cultivate that tomato. Like the amount of work and the expense of that tomato is going to cost you $5. $5. Once you pick it off the vine, we can go yeah. buy a tomato for 70 cents, you know? And so I agree. Like I work, I question my own laziness as well, but it's more just like, in addition to that laziness, convenience is just so uh, it's getting forced upon me. Just every, every turn I make, they're like, no, we'll deliver it to you. No. Oh, we've got 10 <laughs> versions over here. And, you know, you know, and so it's just, it's easy to be lazy and we're not lazy because we're doing I'm active all day, every day and at night, but you're right. It's about prioritizing. So they've prioritized. We don't want to be forced into submission. We want to be active in our food, you know, cultivation and that's important for our kids. And so they prioritized
0: it. And part of it too, is like, there's this, um, there's this caricature of the Australian surfer that I have from like, from way back, from being a kid and just taking in surf media and Tracks magazine and all that, which is this like groovy, hippie kind of George Greeno Byron guy, you know? And yeah. there's a million Australians that kind of didn't do that and are at the pub right now drinking schooners and betting on horses. Right. And then there's Dave and Lauren who kind of did it the way that I think that. My caricature of, of what this ideal is, they, they did that. Like they're living that, you know, morning of the earth thing. Like they're actually yeah. doing it. And so I'm, I'm, a, and because of it, they seem to be enlightened. Like they seem to speak on a sort of ethereal level for uh, like the tone of their voice is even like calm. Like you don't get the sense that they ever get mad at each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, God bless them. I'm stoked on their podcast. I hope more people listen to it. Water People is the podcast.
1: Yeah, they're great. And the podcast is great. I'm a big fan. Whoop. 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 Hell Whoop. yeah. Whoop.com Whoop. promo code is the word surf. You get a free Whoop 4.0 strap in 15% off your membership when you use our promo code surf.
0: 4.0. 4. It, 4.0. Like my age. 4.0. And
1: what is WHOOP, Scott, what does it mean to you? How has it affected your life?
0: Well, look, the WHOOP 4.0 is really, for me, the best part about it is the sleep, like the ability to gauge my sleep, which I don't seem to be getting very much of. It does a lot of cool things, but for me, I, I really like you know it monitoring my sleep and where I'm at with that. And
1: It's a digital fitness tracker. It is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market, the 4.0 version is. John John Florence uses it. Uh, Nathan Florence has been using it. And although it's a fitness tracker, it's really designed around the concept of recovery. And so it's important to not just monitor your exertion, but also monitor what's going on at night and how well you're sleeping and your body's processing all of that and recovering and then apply it to your workout.
0: Yeah. The 4.0, it's basically tells me, Hey, today's a recovery day, or today you can go full 110%. Or today, maybe just go 80%, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's it's a powerful tool for people like me and you that are living you know, aggressive lifestyles.
1: The cool thing about the 4.0 strap is that it is smaller, sleeker, it is a biometric tracker. So it sits on your wrist, but it uh, is so small that it actually fits under your wetsuit. So you can wear it 24 hours a day. It um, measures skin temperature, blood oxygen, much, much more all of that information gets sent to your phone. So the device itself doesn't have a screen, there's no buttons, there's no annoying notifications, but you can open up the app on your phone and it has all of your vitals. Super important information that you could then share with a physician, a coach, a personal trainer. It's just automatically collecting that data 24-7, whether you're working or sleeping. So whoop.com is the website, W-H-O-O-P, and then use our promo code, which is the word surf, and you will get 15% off your membership and a free whoop4.0 strap. Right on, whoop4.0. Whoop.com promo code surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back to Hawaii real quick. Did you see that the Eddie is
0: on? I did. That's on my story. That's actually my lead that the Eddie is on, which is funny, right? We talked about this last week and I'm super stoked. And um, it'll be fun to see how it plays out. Will it be a live webcast? Will you and I get to watch it? We don't know that yet unless you know. Um, you know, they're on their Instagram, it's like, hey, if you want more information, send us an email. Like, there's no, like, website where you can get information about it. You got to reach out to them or DM them, you know, which is fine. Um, and... And maybe it won't be. Maybe that's part of its beauty: is that they're just going to be like, you know what? We're not webcasting it, and it's for the community. And if you live here, you'll be able to experience it. And if not, you're out.
1: I'm so I'm claiming right now that this thing doesn't run. Uh, when I say the headline is that the Eddie is on their Instagram account, the Eddie I Cow Instagram account posted that the event is on, and they have a poster that's made. The poster may be all of the work that's been put into this thus far. It takes a tremendous amount of effort to run an event. Um, it's expensive to run the event. And I don't know who's funding it. I don't, and I, maybe they have figured it all out. Maybe it's all funded in advance. But even when there was big money behind it, people were inevitably unhappy with how it got run. Uh, there was always different factions.
0: Who was unhappy that it got run?
1: Inevitably there would be, uh, there was factions. Well, I don't think that the family was ever fully coalesced with you know, um, Quicksilver's well, objectives they're... or how things are run.
0: Okay. Yeah, I see what you seen. Okay, so maybe there were some there, so behind unless... the scenes sort of disappointment that there weren't revenues shipped off to them or income streams that they thought they should get because of t-shirt sales or whatever. But, but the, regarding the cost of the event, like wh- how much do you think it costs to run an event on the North shore? Like, I mean, I'm without, talking about, well, without the webcast, a little bit, a little bit of scaffolding, seven judges, some porta potties some permit. little bit the permit, but I don't think the permits is the big cost. I and mean, I, I mean, the cow foundation, they probably just get the permit for free from the County. I mean, okay. Let's say it costs 200 bucks. I bet the permits 200 bucks. I bet it's not in the thousands. I don't know. But I mean, just a low key Eddie ICow contest at Waimea Bay with the minimals, you know, like not prize, much. prize purse. I don't know. Is there a prize purse? Like you're just, there doesn't need to, to be, there doesn't like, you know, show me what you're, you really want to honor Eddie. We're doing it for free
1: for look, even to get everybody who's organizing the event and the family to agree to how to run the event, that there isn't going to be money involved or whatever, I think is a huge task.
0: Isn't that so, the same thing though? Isn't the family and the people running it the same? Like that's why their the family took it over.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are the same. But there's when you have more than one person trying to make the decision, there's going to be conflict. Uh, I'll be surprised if this thing runs. I prefer that it does run. I hope that it runs. I don't need it to be a webcast. We'll still see the footage of it. So yeah. I'd be thrilled if it does run. I'm just saying.
0: You think I that this is a mirage?
1: I, I think so. I think they have an Instagram account and they created a poster and they said, We're, we've got the best they, intentions they, to run, they, they invi- but we'll see if it happens. Right. Yeah, they invited people. And will there be that know, opening ceremony? If it runs, okay. Whether it runs or not, will there be the opening ceremony? Yes, there could be. That, that's not a hassle to pull together. Um,
0: that usually and, happens right around now. Yeah. As I recall, it's like between the, the sunset event and the pipe event, or it's like right around the 1st of December, as I recall, is when they have the opening ceremony.
1: Yep. I think you're right. And so I just think there's a lot of moving parts to running of an event, no matter how uh, small Yeah. And I'd be surprised if they could pull it off. I hope that they do. Um, Interestingly, the invite list had males and females together on the list. This could be the most progressive surf event ever, Scott. No gender divisions.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, right? So, Sylvia Nabucco, Polly Raldo, Isabella Leon Leon, who else? Girl. I don't know. I don't
1: see that list. I've got Justine DuPont. I've got Kiala Kenley, um, Paige Alms. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, down at the bottom. Bianca
1: was, Bianca Valenti, Raquel Reikar, uh, Heckert.
0: Yeah, those are the names. Poly, the okay, up.
1: Polly Raldo. There you go. Okay, you were going from the bottom up. Gotcha. Yeah. Um,
0: Maybe those are standbys, alternates.
1: So. The invite list is a who's who, of course, names you would expect from Kelly Slater to Makua Rothman, Mark Healy, Mason Ho, Nathan Florence, Nathan Fletcher, Pete Mel, Ross Clark Jones, Shane Dorian, Uh, one name, Greg Long, Bruce Irons is invited. Um, Well, he's a past champion. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. You're surprised to see Bruce Irons on there, are you? He should get invited. I I mean, look, I love to see it. I grew up a huge Bruce Irons fan and uh, he's disappointed me greatly in the last decade as he continues to get invites to pipe trials and stuff. And then he goes out there and doesn't catch a wave or he gets a two. Uh, I am highly disappointed. So I hold out hope, but we'll see what happens. When When you look
0: at this list, who's your winner? kyle Ka- honey <laughs> okay that makes sense i was it's gonna yours. say i got like billy kemper could be a winner here yeah for sure surprisingly i think mason ho could be a winner here nathan florence i've course. never
1: seen nathan out there i mean i know nathan does and can i just don't don't know how he yeah. performs out there um yeah. i would love to see an old timer
0: i mean dave wassell would be incredible <laughs> that would be insane. You know, the, the, I mean, Clyde Icao won this thing at age like 42 or something like back in the 80s. I want to say one of the very first ones, I think Clyde won and he was old. He got
1: a wave out there in 2016 on like an old single fin. He was like in his 60s and he got a wave out there for the event.
0: Yeah. You don't want to mess with Clyde. Give him him plenty of room.
1: Ross Clark Jones. I mean, he's got to be the oldest in the field that they're inviting. That'd be incredible.
0: Let's see here. Is Ross the oldest one? yeah it probably is peter mal is pretty old i bet peters as old as or older than ross carl no pete's 51 yeah
1: 51 52
0: um all right well and that would be great too i hope they hold it
1: i would love to see shane dorian take this thing to be honest
0: i would too that would psych me no finer human
1: so this is the first time in recent memory that quicksilver hasn't been involved with this event um In other Quicksilver news and kind of a last vestige of a once thriving industry, Derek Riley posted the real estate article that Quicksilver is selling their iconic pipe uh, facing house on the North shore. Did you see this?
0: I did not see this, but the market's up, right? It's a good time to sell.
1: (laughs) Except they originally tried to sell this in 2016. Um, probably part of the Oak tree takeover, you know, Uh just like sell off the asset, but they priced it at 20 million bucks in 2016. It finally sold five years later for $5 million. (laughs) So 15 mil off of their original asking price. Um, but they only paid one point. I don't know, but they only paid 1.5 for it. So even at five mil, they're still making a King's ransom. But I mean, it's, it's. Sad to see.
0: Yeah, I'm not sad by it. I'm not sad that Quicksilver is selling their house. I, that doesn't sadden me, you know? I, I've accepted I'm, the reality of the shifting
1: uh, surf industry, and you and I are kind of benefactor beneficiaries of it, uh, but I'm still sad to see it, you know? Like, it's the, what I knew. It's what I knew growing up.
0: Quicksilver was cool for a long time they were the thing man they were the shit right and i'm trying to pinpoint like when was the time when you're when you're like okay they just jumped the shark Quicksilver just jumped the shark and i want to say it was when they went public you know that's probably when they jumped the shark because now they're buying cleveland golf and they're buying friggin rosignol and they're they're basically at this point they're not they're number one proposition isn't surf it's shareholders yeah and um that's probably when it became not cool but but you, you could have bought quicksilver and made some money
1: you made you make a good point i don't know that i could argue against it but I, there was a few years after that good years after that that yeah. i still really loved the company
0: yeah
1: and um young guns all that kind of stuff you know I mean, when. Dane Reynolds, the Eddie, Clay Marzo, Kelly was still on board. Julian Wilson was kind of hitting his peak. Um, But certainly the low point was getting bought out by venture capital and shedding the entire team and breaking contracts and all that sort of stuff. But so this is, like I said, kind of the last act of what we once knew is that house going away, but it's fine. It is what it is. We don't honestly that that all that real estate's overpriced anyways, and it's so far removed from actual surfers being able to participate in any of it that
2: screw yeah. it,
0: screw it. I've uh, I got a new surfboard from Blackbird Surfboards, my dear friend Tim Crozier made me a new twin fin that uh, I'm a, I'm pretty excited to give it a spin.
1: Post photos.
0: I will. I'll do my best. I want to see it. <laughs>
1: Um, All right. So I already mentioned my must-see moment is the must-listen moment of John John Florence on Water People. My Duke, I'm going to go ahead and just bow down. Jake Marshall, congratulations. I'm going to give him a co-Duke honors with Caitlin Simmers, Katie Simmers, the 15-year-old regular footer who we've been tracking mainly through this year, thanks to STAB for including her in the STAB um, high events. She's blown our minds, and she's qualified for the women's side of the world tour already. So, congrats to those two.
0: Oh, that's great! All right, cool. Well, I'm stoked to hear that. And um, yeah, of course, my 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 Duke is Jake Marshall as well. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, David, until next time, adios and aloha.